Hi, everyone. This is Ellie McDonald, co-host of The Wharton Current. I'm excited to be here today with special guest, Leshka Samarasinghe, the founder and solo GP of Twine Ventures. Twine is a VC fund that invests in early-stage climate, healthcare, and financial empowerment startups. Leshka, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in your current role? Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, Ellie. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled to join such an illustrious list of guests that you all have had on the pod. And as you know, from personal experience, I'm a big fan of recruiting from Wharton, so excited to support the ecosystem however I can. So my path to Twine, it's been pretty varied, but the theme that runs through it is working on mission-driven problems and then working with teams at the earliest stages. So, you know, when I was growing up, my, my family and I emigrated from Sri Lanka at the start of that country's civil war. And I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is you know, the polar opposite end of the state from where you are now, both geographically and, and you know, probably culturally has much more of a Midwest feel. And it's right on the edge of Lake Erie, which is a beautiful Great Lake that was a poster child in the 70s for why we needed the Clean Water Act. Then it got cleaned up. But when I was growing up, it still had a lot of issues with runoff and and eutrophication. So experiencing those issues so close to home made me a little environmentalist growing up. Like I used to work at a nature center and I was always running around, turning off lights and, and yelling at my family to recycle. So in college, I studied international relations, thinking I wanted to shape global environmental policy after school. But then a startup named Google was recruiting on campus, and I was inspired by their mission of making the world's information accessible. So I joined them as an early member of the product team and then had a front row seat to their tremendous growth, which is so incredibly special to be a part of, and later on became an amazing alumni network for me as well. You know, folks like Lower Carbons, Chris Saka were early days Google. But I wanted to come back to working on themes of sustainability. And Google at the time wasn't doing the plethora of things that they're working on now. So after business school, I took a you know, non-conventional path for an MBA and moved down to D.C. to work in the first Obama administration. We all thought there was going to be federal climate change legislation passed. I mean, it was such a historic time to be there on, on multiple fronts. The Recovery Act was being implemented. This was after you know, the, the great financial crisis, you know, part of which funded the establishment of the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Energy, which is at the time was a brand new agency modeled after DARPA, and which many of your listeners may know still forms an important part of the climate tech capital stack in providing grants to breakthrough climate technologies. So I was part of a technology commercialization team there connecting our companies to venture capital financing options, which was my first exposure to venture and got me interested in that as a career path. So I joined one of the firms that I collaborated with called Alexandria Venture Investments, which is a really active and sizable investor in biotech, healthcare, climate and food ag tech before moving back to the Bay Area and joining a former Google colleague, David Freiberg, who had previously run a precision agriculture company called the Climate Corporation and setting up and running 
the production board, which is a venture studio in San Francisco where I'm based, where we were co-founding companies from the ground up with a strong focus on, on health and sustainability and had Al that and Gates and, and other great investors around the table. So you know, we were really in the trenches with our founders, doing everything from team building to, to fundraising. And you know, I really still take a lot of that operator first mentality with me for how I like to support founders at, at Twine. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we've seen from a lot of our guests, which has been really insightful to me as a business student, is that no path is necessarily conventional. And the experience that you gain along the way in different areas from different opportunities really leads everyone to a pretty unique and exciting place, which I think kind of leads me to my next question. You know, you're a single GP at Twine. Can you kind of elaborate on your journey and your decision to be a single GP and what inspired you to start Twine Ventures? Yeah, as you know, as far as why I start the firm, I think starting a venture firm is the same reason a founder starts a company. You're passionate about a mission, you see a need. In this case, for dedicated and pre-seed and seed capital in areas like climate, which isn't quite yet as specialized as downstream capital in that sector. For example, you know, there's quite a few Series A firms in climate and later stage you know, growth equity. You know, but fundamentally, I think it's about you know, having a sense of agency and wanting to be a builder, especially if you're an entrepreneurial person. You know, I was lucky to have had the experience of helping start you know, different flavors of, of venture firms a few different times. So I also knew how to go about raising capital for venture from limited partners, which I think can sometimes be the hardest part of getting going. And the solo GP aspect means I'm able to to move pretty quickly and be nimble. My investment approach, which you know, was important to me, and I, I think um, it seems to have resonated with you know a lot of the founders I've worked with to date. They appreciate that I'm a founder as well, and both at my own firm and the various companies I was previously involved in and founding. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, just that entrepreneurial spirit is something that you don't know it until you see it, and it's not there for everyone. And I think what you say about being a solo GP and a founder as, you know, the head of this fund connects and resonates probably, as you said, with a lot of the founders in startups that you work with. And to double click on Twine and hear more about Twine itself, can you kind of walk us through your investment thesis, where you fit into the market? I know you said earlier stage, but maybe more specifically where you fit into the market, not only in terms of check size, and then what you think really makes Twine stand out? Sure. So Twine is primarily focused on the pre-seed and seed stages, investing in, in purpose-driven companies. And I think there's a few areas most are conducive to building those types of businesses, which is in climate. Um, I also invest in healthcare and financial empowerment. And sometimes, most interestingly, concepts at the intersection of two or more of those areas, like you know, payments integrity and healthcare or climate finance. It's called Twine because I you know, like that type of interdisciplinary investing and also because I see companies that blend you know, purpose and, and profit. So I generally focus on enterprise-oriented software across those verticals and aim to write you know, 500 to 750K checks in a 2 to $5 million seed rounds. And I do a lot of work in helping pull together investment syndicates for those rounds. I've made a number of climate investments in the first year of the fund, ranging from home electrification to grid optimization to climate adaptation and resilience. Just today, I invested in a company facilitating the adoption of renewable power purchase agreements that 
incorporates energy storage. So as far as, um, you know, the like value proposition, you know, I personally believe there's never been a more exciting time to be investing in general and particularly sectors because this next generation of founders are, are really motivated to work on things that matter. And I think, um, you know, most importantly, talent does too. I'm noticing a lot of really great talent from traditional tech looking to build in climate. And there's a number of awesome organizations to help them do work on this, like work on climate or climate draft. And one of the ways we've been supporting these folks, in particular founders, is at the ideation stage. So taking a page from the Venture Studio playbook, you know, I previously did a lot of work conducting market research and identifying caps. You know, we work with these founders conducting primary and secondary research, you know, regardless of whether we invest. For example, we did quite a bit of unpacking the Inflation Reduction Act, which is helpful for founders ideating and home electrification. And then I most recently ran a, a customer segmentation for someone you know, ideating and industrial efficiency markets. Um, I think a lot of firms have operating support on the talent side of the house, which is understandable. But one of the things I'm looking to do as I scale the firm is expanding this you know, customized research support and also bringing some policy expertise in house. I think that's you know, an area where founders you know, working in regulated sectors can use support thinking through the nuances of, of how guidance is implemented and you know, how it affects their, their business. But in general, at Twine, you know, we really take a bespoke sub- approach to supporting founders like wherever they might need help. Again, we also dig into areas like talent recruitment, follow-on fundraising for my companies because that's where I spent a ton of time at the venture studio and building team after team and raising a lot of money for them. But I just try to tailor our support and leverage you know, our own investor base, which includes an incredible group of limited partners I'm really proud of, you know, ranging from foundations and institutional investors to family offices like that of you know, Reed Hoffman or Beyond Me founders and as well as advisors, associates, and, and venture partners. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, do you think, it, just to kind of dig in on policy, it's climate in particular, such a geopolitical space that's influenced by, by so many regulatory trends. Do you think your time at RBE and your time in DC kind of gave you an insight into policy that you wouldn't have otherwise had? Oh, 100%. It, it absolutely, it absolutely has. And then I think importantly, like folks from from those early days, RPE are you know now working in like various parts of the the climate ecosystem, and and there's a really important people aspect to that interconnectivity as well. Yeah, and you know, kind of moving towards investment themes that you're interested in, you, you spoke a lot about investing at intersections of these markets, and I'm curious to know what excites you about these intersections and maybe if there are certain investment themes on which you're focused? Sure. So, well, in climate, you know, I, I, I mentioned the intersections with, with clean tech. I mean, I was recently looking at a company that was doing financing for, for green construction loans. But in the, in the past few months, we've been doing thesis work and themes ranging from you know, grid optimization to home electrification, um, supply chain efficiency and optimization, especially in manufacturing. We've also looked at sector-specific solutions for areas like textiles or construction tech and, and the built environment. And in general, again, we focus on the seed stage and do orient towards um, software you know, versus hardware or, or deep tech. And then you know, so seek businesses, they're often enterprise and you know, solve a clear business need. Either, you know, they're making money or they're, they're saving money for other businesses. It's not like solely dependent on you know, regulatory drivers or commanding a, a green premium. 
And then, you know, emission reduction just happens to be a benefit. So, for example, recently preceded a company that's providing tools to electricians that help them better manage their work, you know, including things like lead generation for charger installations and main panel upgrades that help those electricians grow and upsell their business and facilitate a massive wave of of residential electrification that we're only going to see continue to to grow in years to come. I mean... as someone who's interested in climate, those all really resonate with me as exciting themes. And I'm curious to know how you see the startup landscape evolving over the next 10 years and what trends maybe beyond technological innovation do you think will shape the climate tech industry going forward? I mean, going back to the point about policy and how we, you know, we thought that there was going to be federal climate change legislation passed you know, a, a decade ago, it's it's finally here with the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes like almost half a trillion in tax credits and, and new spending. And I think that's going Im- to impact the the market and have like ram- ramifications in, in ways that you know, we may not even be able to, to anticipate it at this point. So that I think that's going to be a, a really big shaper, both both domestically and potentially even internationally as other com- as other countries, you know, look to to uplevel their their own policies in, in this space. And so I think there's, you know, a lot of room for the role of of policy and and kind of shaping some of these, you know, where where we see companies building and shaping markets in general. Yeah. And I think it's also been really exciting to see the impact on policy with kind of the consumer base. People are talking mm-hmm. about climate tech in a way that we've never seen before. You know, you can go to your grandma down the street and she's even heard of heat pumps, which is great as someone in the climate space. And we've also seen, you know, other countries kind of harping on the IRA a little bit because of the national spend, but hopefully it's going to be an incentive for other countries to adopt similar bills and we'll see kind of global investment in this space. And, you know, speaking of all of the money that's being spent right now and all of the people that are excited about climate tech, we I've seen a ton of startups in the climate tech space these days. And as an early stage climate tech investor, what points of differentiation make you excited about a particular investment opportunity? So kind of, you know, what do you look for in a founding team? What qualities do you think are essential for differentiation and success in the startup world? Sure. Well, we've already talked about you know, mission orientation being fundamental to the firm and the type of founders we aim to partner with because you know, I think being clear and authentic in that mission will enable you to attract the best talent, you know, whether it's for climate or, or any of the other sectors in, in which we invest. And then in particularly the ability to to translate that mission into a strongly communicated narrative because that's what you're doing all day long as a founder to customers, investors, and particularly talent. Again, I think a lot about founders' ability to you know, recruit great talent as it's obviously such a critical part of, of executing. And so if they've already shown that they can attract few key hires, especially you know, folks with whom they've previously worked, it's a great sign. I also think a bit about investor foundership. There's you know, a lot of different types of companies that Twine can invest in, make money and an impact. But you know, am I uniquely suited to accelerate the success of this particular company? Do I have a strong connection to that founder? to weather through 10 years of ups and downs and, and vice versa. I think that should definitely be a lens for, for founders as they're seeking investment partners. Do I connect with and trust this individual and can they help me when? Yeah, I think 
that leads us pretty clearly into kind of my next question. So being on the other side of the table, I'm sure you see a ton of pitches. You talk to a lot of exciting entrepreneurs. So what advice, there are a ton of people at Wharton right now looking to, to build out their startups. What advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs and startup founders who are looking to raise capital, and build successful companies, you know, particularly in this economy? So, you know, would love to hear that. And then if you have any takes on kind of the recent macro trends we're seeing in the market and how that might affect the startup world, also interested to hear that. Yeah, the the macro happenings are, you know, it's just it's it's been some of the craziest few weeks of my venture career. I don't think anyone could have predicted a, a full on bank run at an institution that was you know really such a, a cornerstone in, in the ecosystem. I just to like you know touch on that briefly. I, I was I bank with SB personally at the fund level and had a few portfolio companies who do so as well. So the initial days of the FDIC receivership were intense. Like, I don't think, you know, anyone knew what the broader ramifications would be on, on the venture market. But a few weeks later, the seed markets like seem to have held up fairly well, particularly in climate. And I expect that to continue given general capital availability in the sector and all of the tailwinds, including on the regulatory front and the general pull through from corporates and, and end consumers, as you said. I mean, like grandmas are, are familiar with like what's happening, you know, in all things climate. So I think it's still just a really great time to to be building any startup and in particular climate startups. You know, I think the hallmark of the venture ecosystem is nimbleness and, and resilience. So we're already seeing a number of organizations you know, stepping in to fill potential gaps, like in, in SPV's case, this is on the, the venture debt side. So I think although they are still, you know, offering venture debt and they're under their like new ownership. So you know, overall, I think we've we seem to have held up like particularly well, especially at the early stages. Yeah, it's certainly been a whirlwind of a few weeks where the that comes in, just with everything happening. You know, a lot of us that are going into the venture world, we see kind of these events, and it can be a little intimidating. So, what advice would you give to people at Warren or people outside of Warren that? are interested in being venture investors going forward? Sure. You know, it's such a different and, you know, more diverse in all senses of, of the word investment landscape from when I first started my career in, in venture 10 years ago. There's so many more firms now with whom you can find a great cultural fit, which is, you know, I think, one of the main things you should be seeking when potentially joining a firm because people, you know, are the most important thing and, as in all things. Um, but for inspiring investors at Wharton or, or other business schools, I would just say a school is such a great time to be able to explore, you know, to plug into the venture ecosystem, which is super vibrant on campus. And I think develop specific investment areas of, of interest by you know, taking classes on the topics or ideally you know, supporting classmates who are, are founding companies in those sectors or, or doing internships or projects with, with climate companies, as I do think some startup operating experience, even if project-based, is super helpful perspective to have as a, as a venture investor as you develop more empathy for the founder journey and can better connect to founders later on. I would also you know, highly recommend taking advantage of school year internship programs with, with venture firms. They tend to be a little lighter weight on both sides and can help you, you know, get in the foot in the door if you've never had experience in venture and better position you for 
for summer internships or, of course, you know, after school. You know, no bias there. But, you know, I would also you know, love to, to put a plug in for considering, you know, going back to our earlier discussion, considering public service at some point in your venture career, which I think you know, may be an unpopular view, especially with some segments in Silicon Valley. But you know, whether we like it or not, you know, smart policy and government is so important and inextricably linked to our day-to-day, as we've seen, you know, with this recent banking crisis, it's both, you know, created competition and or created like the conditions for what happened and also like helped resolve that, that issue. And so, you know, I was lucky to have worked with folks at DOE who had a really diverse set of backgrounds from public and, and private sectors, people like, you know, Jigger Shaw going back in from the private sector to lead efforts there again. I'd like to see those linkages continue with the next generation of climate professionals. Plus, it'll give, you know, a, a more comprehensive view of the challenges and opportunities of investing in regulated sectors to aspiring investors. And I, and I think, you know, make you a, a better investor in, in the long run. So kind of like leave things with a, a little plug. That's great. And we won't hold it against you that you went to HBS instead of Wharton. But no, this has been this has been awesome, Leshka. One final question before we head out, you know, to everyone on the podcast, if you were to get to recommend reading material or a documentary or just, you know, anything that you think would help us get up to date with kind of what's happening in the venture market and the climate market in general, do you have any recommendations? Well, there's a Substack that I read pretty regularly, as I think do a lot of people in the in the climate industry and had the pleasure of getting to hang out at a climate tech investor event last week with the the founder, Sophie Purdom, and that's Climate Tech Venture Capital is a great just snapshot of you know, startup activity in the market and also provides some like really great and including talking about like the, the climate tech capital stack that we talked a little bit about on this on the pod earlier. Awesome. Thank you so much, Leshka. If people want to find Twine, can you just give us the website really quick? TwineVentures.com. Love it. I'm working on Twine.com, but for now, (laughs) TwineVentures.com. I love it. Simple to the point. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Leshka. These insights have been awesome. And I know that our listeners are going to really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, everyone, on the other side of the audio for joining us, and we'll see you next time.